Welcome to Space Time Episode 2 and today we're talking about time. Everything from what time is to why it only flows in one direction to whether or not we could travel through it back and forth is what we're going to be exploring in this week's podcast so stay tuned. But first we have to know why is it that we're so baffled by time in the first place? Why is it that it's so fundamental to our existence in this universe and yet no one on planet Earth is 100% certain about what it is. Well, say yesterday when you were having breakfast, you were living in what your past self would call the now. And in the now, you can remember the past, but you cannot remember the future. That would be impossible. It's kind of a tricky concept to wrap your head around because your definition of now is always moving forward, no matter what. So for example, right now you're tuning into space-time. However, after this podcast is finished, your definition of now would be you doing something else. But at each point in time, from when you're watching this video or listening on Spotify to when you're eating dinner later tonight, you feel conscious of the fact that you're living in the present, even though after this podcast is finished, it will eventually become your past. So that's why we're so curious about time, because we simply can't wrap our heads around the fact that what we're doing right now will eventually become the past, even though it feels like it's occurring right now. And will never end. So then what actually is time and is there anything that could affect how it passes? Well to answer this we have to look at Einstein's theory of relativity. He came up with two theories of relativity which both focus on different principles. The first was special relativity which focuses on the idea that the speed of light is the same for all observers regardless of how fast you're actually moving. This was kind of revolutionary at the time and it leads to some kind of crazy things happening in the universe, which I'll probably go into in a future episode. Then there's the general theory of relativity, which focuses on the mechanism by which gravity actually works. Some of you may know the equation that Isaac Newton came up with to describe gravity, you know, F equals G times M1 times M2 over R squared. And this was all well and good. It described the orbits of the planets, which so we knew was right, but it didn't explain how gravity worked. We knew which pattern it followed, but we didn't know why it worked like that. We knew the law being the equation, but we didn't know the cause and the cause was what we were trying to find. Now, this is where Einstein comes in. He said that space and time are not two separate things. They're two different sides of the same coin. He said that we live in something which he called space-time, which encapsulates the entire universe. In a sense, it is the universe itself. Now, Earth being of a huge mass, it warps this space-time and the moon responds to that by orbiting it. The more warping there is in space-time, the more gravity there is. You can think of this like a bowling ball in the centre of a trampoline. If you roll a tennis ball onto the trampoline, it will start to orbit the bowling ball until it actually collides with it. And that's how Einstein said gravity actually worked. So how does this link back to time? Well, basically, since something like the Earth warps the space around it, it also warps the time around it as well. So if you're on the surface of the Earth, time will move slower for you than for someone up on the ISS because they're on a slightly less warped region of space-time. Now, this explains what kind, kind of what time is, but it doesn't explain why it only moves in one direction. And this is where it gets interesting. Time only moves in one direction. We can remember the past, but we can't remember the future. So this kind of creates an arrow of time. And there's three different smaller arrows of time which make up this big arrow of time. The first being thermodynamic arrow of time, 
which is the idea of entropy, which is basically that things go from an ordered state to a disordered state, clean to messy. The second arrow of time is the arrow of time that we humans feel passing psychologically. And the third one is the cosmological arrow of time, where the universe was bigger today than it was yesterday. So those are the three small arrows of time which make up the big arrow of time, thermodynamic arrow of time, um, psychological arrow of time, and the cosmological arrow of time. So firstly, entropy, like I said before, it's the idea that things go from clean to messy. So say you had a jigsaw puzzle in a box and it came solved. There's only one arrangement of those jigsaw pieces that solve it, which is um, when it's actually in the right arrangement. If you shake the box, then it will get messed up and it's more likely that it will get messed up than it will stay solved, isn't it? Because there's so many more different ways that the puzzle can be messed up than it can be solved. It can only be in one, um, one way, which would mean that it's solved. Whereas if it's messed up, there's so many different ways it could be messed up. And this is essentially what ha what's happening in the entire universe. At the Big Bang, the whole universe was compressed to a size smaller than an atom. So everything, even everyone you know, was compressed to the size of smaller than an atom, which we call a singularity. And in the singularity, everything was very ordered. It was very structured. Everything was pretty much the same. When it expanded, the universe had a lot more space to kind of mess up and rearrange. And since there's only one arrangement, which is the singularity, which is very ordered, compared to millions and pretty much infinite ways that the universe can be messed up and be in different arrangements, particles and the whole, whole universe can be in different, um, you know, organised in different ways, then it kind of makes sense that the universe goes from ordered to disordered, clean to messy. So that's essentially what entropy is. The idea that things go from ordered to disordered and always in that order. If I showed you pictures of a mug falling from a table and falling to the floor and smashing, and I told you to put those pictures in order, you'd always put it from the mug being not smashed to falling on the floor and then being completely smashed. You never put it in the reverse order because I'll just be wrong because things in the universe always go from ordered to disordered. And that's what entropy is. If I showed you a video of a smashed mug rising from the ground and then landing on top of a table being completely fixed, then you'd know that the video is being played backwards because that goes against the general um, thermodynamic law of entropy. So that's the first arrow of time, entropy. And now the second arrow of time, which is the psychological arrow of time, comes from the brain and computers. You can think of the brain and computers being similar things because they both process information. So for the purpose of this video, I'm just going to use the word computer because it's a more simplified version of the brain, you could say. And it's just slightly easier. So a computer basically uses energy to process information. And what it does with this energy is it dissipates it to the surroundings. And you can tell that's true because if you ever use a computer or a laptop for a long time, then it gets slightly hot because that's basically the energy being dissipated to its surroundings from processing all that information for a long time. Now, as it dissipates this energy, what happens is it heats up the air molecules around the computer. And because of that, they, the air molecules go from being very calm and collected to 
very random and having random motion and moving at different velocities and speeds. So because of that, you could say that the air around it has gone from ordered to disordered because it went from very calm to very messed up. And that's kind of how the brain works. The brain is constantly processing information, right? Um, as long as you're conscious. And even when you're not conscious, it's still processing um, information from your body. As it processes this information, it increases the entropy in the universe because like I said, it messes up the air molecules around it. So you could say that the brain and computers increase the disorder in the universe. Now, because of that, you can say that they feed into the first arrow of time. And since your brain is always constantly processing information, it always feels this passing of time because it's feeding into the first arrow of time. And finally, the third arrow of time is the cosmological arrow of time, which is quite simple. It's basically that the universe started out really small and it's now it's really big. So it's bigger today than it was yesterday because it's expanding. At the Big Bang, like I said before, it was smaller than an atom and everything in the universe was contained in this singularity. Now, today, it's, it's clearly not like that. Clearly, it's really insanely big. So because of that, you can tell that the universe is expanding and because it's not stopped expanding we can say that it's it's bigger today than it was yesterday so these are the three ways that scientists have come up with to try and give us an arrow of time try and explain the arrow of time but here's the thing which i know a lot of you clicked on this video for can we travel through time now if you're a dickhead then you can say yeah we're constantly traveling through time but i know that's not the answer you're looking for time travel into the far future um, might actually be possible but it's backwards time travel where the paradoxes actually begin um, firstly I'll talk about theoretically what you'd have to do to travel back in time and then why this might actually not be possible to do remember when I talked about the special relativity um, this talks about how the speed of light is the same for all observers, regardless of how fast you're moving. Now, one of the most shocking um, results from this proposal is that time isn't the same for everyone. If you're moving faster than me, if you're moving at a higher velocity than me, then your time would move slightly slower than if I was stationary. Say you had um, a spaceship, Spaceship One, and it was moving at 86% speed of light, then according to calculations, your time would move slower than my spaceship, Spaceship 2, which was stationary. Your time would move half as slow. And because of that, I'd actually see you moving half as slow in your spaceship while traveling at 86% speed of light. Now, because of the fact that everything would move slowly for you and even your brain would process things at half the speed that means that you wouldn't realize that time is moving half as slow for you you think that everything's moving in real time because even your thinking is slow this discrepancy only increases the closer you get to the speed of light so the faster you actually go beyond that um, the slower time would actually move for you until you actually reach the speed of light and the time would stop completely for you. If you somehow actually reach beyond the speed of light, 
then that actually means that time would actually move backward, backwards for you and you'd actually pretty much be moving back in time. Now, the reason why we think that's impossible is because it takes an infinite amount of energy and mass to actually reach the speed of light itself. So to even go beyond that is kind of unthinkable. But if somehow one day we actually do surpass this barrier, then yeah, time travel back in time would definitely be possible. Now this raises a question. If we actually did manage to travel back in time, then what if we went back in time and did something to prevent our parents from meeting? And so we're not born. If we did this, then your parents wouldn't meet and you wouldn't be born, so you won't be able to go back in time to prevent them from meeting in the first place. So this creates a paradox. One way to avoid this is thinking of it as not going back in time, but entering a new timeline. So when you actually go back in time, you don't go back in time in this universe. You actually enter a new universe where everything's exactly the same, but you can do whatever you want. So if you prevented your parents from meeting in that new universe, it would only affect the version of you in that universe from being born. Not, not you yourself, because you're from a different timeline. And another idea which Stephen Hawking came up with is called the chronology protection conjecture. And basically what this means is that if you did go back in time in our universe, the same universe which you were born in, to prevent your parents from meeting, then you can do that. But there are certain things which will prevent you from actually being it, being able to stop them from meeting. Subtle things. I don't like to use the word like destiny, but that's basically along a similar kind of line that if you tried to prevent your parents from meeting in this universe and you successfully went back in time to do so, then something like, I don't know, a fire could break out and it would block you from your parents so they would still meet, but you would be able to get through. So nothing obvious like the time police from Rick and Morty once again, um, but something subtle. So that's the basics of what time is, why it only flows in one direction, and whether or not we could travel back and forth in time. I'll probably do another episode on time travel itself um, and go into more detail about that because I feel like I didn't really go into that much detail about time travel in this week's episode, but I'll probably do that in the future. So yeah, that's going to be it for today. Um, thanks for watching. Don't forget to like and sub. Peace.